This is Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The show where social, political, economic, spiritual, and philosophical discourse goes to live. We never give up the high moral ground, take no political divisioners, and fight until the bitterness ends. And now, here's your host, recovering hope addict and paid volunteer in the American experiment, Jeff Stein. That's good to be back. You know, I, a little staycation, a little vacation. Uh, it always feels good, but it always feels terrible because I miss it. I'm a little bit of an addict. You know, I'm just like I have to have my my politics. I got to get in front of the microphone and uh, just reflect on all this. That's wow. So fast, right? So fast how much growth we're getting right now. And I know, you know, Jeff, really? Growth? Really? Feels like, feels like chaos. Feels like hell. Feels like, you know, blah. <laughs> That's growth, baby. That's how growth happens, especially on a societal level. You know, it's 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 easy to forget that the vast majority of things are just going fine. You know, you, you go to your Starbucks, you get your coffee, maybe you have a little road rage, you flip somebody off. But generally speaking, your life is pretty, pretty, pretty smooth. It's uh, but when you look at the news and what's going on and what happens in these uh, obviously in, in areas of our country, it um Makes it seem pretty crazy. So let's see if we can put a little perspective on that because uh, it is better than it seems. It's always odd because I, I, I check in with all the different folks, hopefully politically, and, and try to get a temperature of where everyone is and let everyone be exactly where they are because they're – remember, it's like a, it's like a bell curve, right? There's going to be folks that are at the front of this renaissance, this greatest social, political, economic, spiritual, technological renaissance in which we are living who are going to recognize it and say that, oh, man, this is – you know yeah, there's growth, there's, there's chaos, there's nastiness as there always is in growth. But man, are we learning and man, are we growing and look at the patriots that are rising. And as Mr. Rogers says, look at the helpers. They're everywhere. And then there's going to be the folks in the middle who are just trying to figure it out and coming along and saying, OK, I don't know. I'm a little uneasy. And then there's going to be the folks at the back end who are not going to change and they're going to go to their graves uh, quite convinced that, you know, this is a screaming disaster and you're all to blame and I hate you all and I'm a victim to all of you. So it, it ranges the whole entire way. And the, recon- the idea is to recognize that there's part of you in every one of those. Uh, if you look at your politicians, you're mad. Look for yourself in it. <laughs> if you're looking at your fellow posters on Facebook and you're going getting livid. Uh, ask yourself what's going on because you can't be if you're upset uh, it's you <laughs> there's something that you're holding on to and I, as I like to say you can't be mean until you've first been scared and that's something to look at as well but uh, so many big topics but I think the overriding theme of today's possibility politics is that uh, there you know there is city law uh, which is overridden by state law which is overridden by federal law and above all that is consciousness Universal law, God's law, and the first law of that, which you could hear agreed upon by all the masters and all the scriptures and all the philosophies and even the quantum physicists, that if you don't learn the lesson to choose love over fear, kindness over rightness, inspiration over desperation, humanity over victimhood, um, comfort over shame, peace over war. (laughs) I know it seems simple, right? Creating allies over identifying enemies. If you don't learn that lesson... You get more of what you don't want until you do. The lesson gets harder. And so, and again, look at the bell curve. There'll be those that the lesson is just going to get harder and harder. It's going to get more and more painful for them as they choose war over peace. And then there are going to be those who will see that this lesson must be learned. And in the last few days, this last week, we're going to talk about shootings. We're going to talk about uh, Russia. We're going to talk about uh, 
uh, economics, all these things, because uh, they are moving fast and uh, and they are you're going to be the front of it or the back of it. Because we can apply all of these things, that universal law of the lesson to many different issues of the social political pendulums that are swinging back right now with increasing velocity toward light over darkness. Oh, no, they are swinging back. You think, oh, it's getting worse, getting worse, getting worse. Ah, you know, you don't you don't want to judge how society is doing by the events because the events are the symptom. And, you know, it's always darkest before the dawn, all that sort of thing. But it's true. As these events ramp up and change becomes more imminent, the consciousness of the electorate moves, is completely moved. So if you could feel that part of the equation, you would see that, I think you would agree, I'd like for you to agree, <laughs> that it is that we as a nation are getting it. Not all of us, remember? Bell curve, bell curve. There are those. And the ones that are dragging their feet are always going to be really loud. And we are going to talk about them today because by recognizing where they are, you can be in a place of acceptance and forgiveness, not only if you are one of the folks and whatever the topic is that's dragging the back end, whether the topic is genderism or racism or eco-survival or healthcare, and especially um, one I haven't really gotten into a deep, I have to do a whole episode on this, which is the belief that a person's money and influence is the measure of their human worth. This is one of the greatest diseases, especially in America, that money and influence is the measure of human worth. We think people that have money are worth more, (laughs) right? Or have influence. You got more followers, you're worth more. It's a strange thing. But all of that, those pendulums are gaining speed toward a more perfect union of people-centered politics. That is what is resulting in this. But in that process, (laughs) though the vast majority of us are on board with the new path of decency, of morality, of kindness, we know that. We're on board, of course, because that's who we are. We are beings of love and decency when we're deep down. Even that person, you know, you know the one that you hate, that that a-hole. Now, he's still, he or she is still inherently a child of God and uh, based in love. And whether you believe that or not, even if you're just a cold, dark scientist, um, the, the physical rewards, both in your cerebellum and your body chemistry of kindness, uh, is so much more powerful and effective than the rewards of worry or shame or guilt. You know this, right? When you flood your body with those chemicals, you will suffer, you will decline, you will get sick, you will get worse when you're suffer- flooding it with the negative parts of your humanity, whereas with the positive parts. So you can take it from anything morally, philosophically, religiously, scientifically, and it all we will all automatically be moving that direction, but sometimes you got to let the old ones die off and the new ones come in. And isn't that an interesting theme <laughs> as we talk about guns? Because to those of my friends who love God, gun, country, and guns, and uh, and I don't—you can welcome to that. I don't judge you for loving God, country, and guns, but I will appeal to your Christianity, assuming you are, or your Muslim or Islamity, <laughs> when I reflect, or your Buddhism, or your Judaism, or whatever, where I, I seek, where I reflect to you the scripture to you, the Christian scripture that says, those who live by the sword shall perish by the sword— Bears repeating, and blessed are the peacemakers. And I can hear my Christian friends saying, yep, that's right. That's exactly right. I'm all about being peaceful, as long as you don't try to take my guns. So is it peace or an arms race? Are you seeking the path of the most blessed holy one, or are you preparing for the war with your enemies? Who are we commanded to love? Our enemies, perchance? 
When we come back, I want to talk about the forgiveness in that topic of what is making the gun rights stay in their place so we can all forgive and maybe see some light in that process here at Possibility Politics. This is Possibility Politics, uh, where we feelize our way to a saner future. I'm Jeff Stein. Uh, you can find me at, uh, well, uh, on Facebook, Possibility Politics. We like to have a little banter there, as well as uh, my website of jeffsworld.com, jeffs-world.com, where you find all the things I do. I as an inspiration facilitator, speaker, broadcaster, obviously, as uh, uh, and all my business. Here's my little plug. Please, come see me. Take advantage. Um, so we're talking about... The uh, side of the equation, I want to get to the folks, I want to get to both sides, if you will. There's more than, there's many, many sides, and there's only really one side, which is humanity and love and decency and kindness. But um, on the topic of the Second Amendment, now that we've followed another shooting, 17 killed, many wounded in a school in Florida, we all know about this. Um, it, I want to be, my loving side says I want to embrace and hug those who believe that more guns is the answer. And they grab their Bible and they say, I am a, a believer in God. I walk the path of Jesus Christ and that is my, he's my savior and what have you. That's great. So more guns. Let's, uh, let's see if that, uh, maybe I can appeal to you. Maybe I won't. Um, but I can tell you for sure that more war is not the direction that's going to work. And that's what that means. More swords means more sword fighting. More guns means more shooting. And I know I have some sense and you say, well, that doesn't matter. I need my gun. And I say, well, ask yourself why, (laughs) you know, why is the Second Amendment um, such a part of your, you know, your pride, your strength? Because here's the thing. Uh, We're going to play in a second. The uh, in fact, maybe I should just do that first so we can get it to the um, the meat of this, which is the parents, the temporary parents, the foster parents. Uh, James and Kimberly Sneed, who were taking care of the gun, young 19-year-old gunman who shot up the school, uh, they have spoken out, and they only had him since his mother died, shortly after his mother died, for a, I think it was, like, it was only as early as November. So they, he, he'd been living with them for a very short time. And uh, if you're looking for demographics on those folks, if you haven't seen these things, um, apparently they uh, are quite well-to-do, and I don't mean that as a necessary component, but it is interesting because as they're doing this interview, they're in a mansion. So these Sneeds have got uh, lots of cash, and uh, so in other words, the young gunman was not in some sort of uh, abusive, beating, poverty environment, okay, in case that was something you were wondering about. And the parents of this kid said that, you know, he followed the rules and he did what he was supposed to do, and so we were completely stunned. In fact, I want to uh, play you a little bit of that and then talk about how, why, you know, if, if you if you believe that the answer is more guns, uh, I want to have some sympathy with you and maybe some, you know, fellowship with you, but also uh, get, ask you a couple questions. But uh, first, let's play a little of this. The Nick we knew was not the Nick that everybody That's else James Sneed. Know. He pulled one over on us. Kimberly Sneed. As, as well as a lot of people. Nicholas Cruz had been living with the Sneed family for about three months when he allegedly carried out the deadliest school shooting in Florida history. How many guns did he have? I'm not sure, five or six. He was coming into your house and you didn't know how many guns he had? Um, I knew he had five or six. I don't know I don't, I don't know what kind they were. Uh, it didn't matter what kind of guns they were. I, I have guns, um, I respect guns, um, as long as they're, they're handled properly. Safely. Safely, and one of the uh, stipulations of him moving in is to have a gun safe before he moved in. 
So you wanted him to have a gun safe, but you didn't know how many guns or what kind of guns they were that he would be putting in this? I know he had hunting rifles. You thought they were just hunting rifles? Well, I, I knew he had an a, a assault rifle. I knew it, but I, I knew he, um, he used it out hunting. He used it out hunting. Um, you know, I, I, I've hunted. <laughs> I grew up in El Dorado County for a while, and uh, an assault rifle, I, I, don't, I don't think I need to say this, but you're not going to really eat the meat if you put seven or eight 22, 23 uh, caliber, you know, bullets into it. Uh, I mean, you can eat parts of the meat, but you're going to be picking out, you know, and you're going to destroy it. Anyway, uh, hunting. And that, that seemed a reasonable thing. Um, it's his right to own a gun. And you thought it was fine for a 19-year-old to have an AR-15? He's, it's his right to have it. Do you feel any differently about that now? No. According to a Florida Department of Children and Families report, Cruz suffered from depression, ADHD, and autism. Between 2011 and 2016, Broward County Sheriff's deputies were called to Cruz's mother's home 39 times, several of them allegedly due to Cruz's violent outburst. Didn't worry you him having access to guns? No, he was just depressed. We thought he was just depressed over his, his mother's death. Were there any signs of trouble beyond his depression? No. We had him on a positive path, and you know, and trying to heal, and he just blew it. I mean, just, just... Floored us. We had no idea. Absolutely floored. Absolutely floored. Ruined his future, ruined the future of 17 others mm-hmm. and their families. Their families. It was a very selfish act. Do you feel any responsibility for that at all? We feel heartfelt sorrow for the families involved as far as being responsible feeling responsibility you know we worked that out and and there was nothing different we would have done james need also told john blackstone he thought there was only one key to the gun safe where he made cruz keep his weapons but sneed now believes there were actually two keys and nicholas cruz had the other so there's so much to parse through on that As you heard, here was the guy who was a temporary foster parent. So, you know, we're not going to blame him for Cruz's life of, you know, how he got to the way he got as a parent. But an absolute right to have it. Nope. Feel differently? Nope. So was there anything you would do differently? Nope. You feel responsible? Nope. Can't be done. Nothing we can do about it. And, and I know you're probably hearing that saying, uh, it depends upon, it, this really is kind of that dividing opinion between if you are just appalled by that and if you're like, yep, see, it's not the guns, right? It's just the way it is. We have to, you know, and, and, and the thing is, is let's, let's be sympathetic <laughs> to James Sneed there and Kimberly Sneed. Now, first of all, they're caught up in this thing. They became foster parents. I don't put a lot of you know burden on them because they, they're in a situation that's not good. But they let him keep a Bushmaster RAR-15 assault rifle that is capable of shooting 40 rounds in a minute. And they let him keep it, and they apparently didn't uh, take care of the gun safe well enough that that he was able to have his own key. And they also didn't sound like they really wanted to stop him from his right to access those guns anyway. He made it real clear that those guns, he had a right to have it. And and so what is the point of relief? You know, because everybody does everything for relief. They don't do something because it makes them feel worse necessarily. I mean, they do without knowing better. But we, we and so the relief of these folks means that they that the alternative of taking away even this murderer son, murderer temporary son nineteen year old kid's right to have a a, a military killing machine, 
there, it is a relief for them to say that the right is more important than whether or not he can have whether or not he's going to kill people. So what is the relief? That means that there must be more fear in the Sneeds of losing their guns than it is of losing children to the custody of somebody somebody who has a gun, has a rifle, has a military weapon. So that means that the Second Amendment victimhood, with all due respect, is bigger. It's You feel like more of a victim than the folks in the schools feel like a victim, right? Because if you felt like the school children were the bigger victim, then you'd want to do something about the access to military weapons that can mow down uh, dozens of children. Because if they had, if the guy had his, just his hunting rifles, you know, a simple twenty-two hunting rifle that shoots, and you have to, you know, re, you know, cock it again, shoot it again, cock it again, you can get a couple shots here and there, even if you're really fast. Uh, needless to say, that they're not going to get very far with that, because as they, as even the NRA folks like to say, you know, what do you do with a bad guy with a gun with a good guy with a gun? Well, if a bad guy's got a gun and he's, you know, reloading every shot or so every few seconds, you can rush him. If he is firing 40 rounds at a time, you can't rush him till he changes clips. Well, <laughs> how close are you going to get between changing clips? I mean, that's going to take a, a series of circumstances. And of course, you know, reality and truth and lots of studies, because we have lots of gun violence to study, have proven that uh, it never does quite work. There were people that were armed when Gabrielle Giffords, congressman, was shot out at that uh, at the grocery store, and uh, it didn't change the fact of how many shots the assailant got off. So we know this, but... For them, for these folks who believe in it, their, their, their fear has to be bigger that they're going to lose their guns than kids dying by war weapons. And the only way that can make any sense is if they see this as a war where their peril, in other words, if you take my guns away, why would that scare me? Why would it scare me if, I, if you took away military weapons? You said, well, I, I'm going to take away your AR-15s, and so you get to only have rifles and pistols, many rifles and pistols as you want, but you can't have anything that shoots 40 rounds uh, per minute with multiple magazines. And you say, well, uh, that's unacceptable. Why is it unacceptable? Well, the only reason that would be fearful to you is if you believe that there is someone with that firepower coming after you. Right, because in order to be that be relief for you is you believe you have to match firepower. That your matching of the firepower of the enemies and the villains that you perceive are out there is more important than protecting the lives of children from an impulse purchase of a fully legal, fully available killing machine. You must be more afraid because you're afraid that that killing machine is going to come after you. So you want a killing machine to match that person's killing machine. It's matching firepower. And quite frankly, now, and if you don't believe that, but that's what I want. It's not what it is. Okay, I'd love to hear your comments. Please tell me the, how it is different. How your fear that you have no fear about this. That you just like your guns because for sport. And you want to make them super available for sport, even though they're killing people. I'd love to hear your alternative. But again, you want to match firepower. And as soon as I click over to Fox News, it's verified in the subtext of just the headlines. Um, first of all, the victimhood. Here's one of the headlines right now on Fox News. Sick trolls attack dad of Florida shooting victim over his Trump 2020 T-shirt. So apparently a dad had a Trump 2020 T-shirt. And so a bunch of trolls trolled him and said, you know, you suck or whatever. So that's the headline that's important to the audience of Fox News that wants to hear how uh, their guy, their ideals, their politics are under attack. Great. 
They do the same thing on the left. I read on the Huffington Post, it says so-and-so on the right said this awful thing about people on the left. That's one of the worst things about politics is how everyone likes to paint themselves as the bigger victim to the loud mouse of the other side. That's just garbage. But look at the other one. Here's one. MS-13 thug accused of brand... This is the headline, Fox News. MS-13 thug accused of brandishing AK-47 at passing cars. So how do they respond to someone using an assault rifle to shoot up a school? They say, look, MS-13 has assault rifles. And there it is. Because if MS-13 has assault rifles, then we got to have assault rifles. We've all got to have assault rifles. And I don't argue with that. If you're that scared, it's like giving you, if you're scared of spiders and I say to you, and I shove a spider in your face, you're going to punch me and I'm not going to blame you because I'm forcing your fear back in your face. But I want to ask you this question. Live by the sword, die by the sword. Blessed are the peacemakers. Do you want to escalate this war? Do you want to look at your fear? Do you want to look at your belief that everybody else on the corner has an assault rifle and you have to have one too so you can have a gunfight where you fire more rounds than they fire? Is that really going to make a difference? Maybe it is for you, and you're convinced it is. And there is a portion of the population, clearly, the numbers are there, uh, <laughs> that show that there are some folks who are going to go to their grave. They're never going to change. They're going to believe this is a war, and I want more guns than those people, the gangs, the whack jobs, the you know eco-terrorists, the vegan terrorists, whatever it is that you think is out there. But it's about who has more firepower. And that's being fed on the Fox News side. Another thing that's going around this morning, the NRA has a uh, has been tweeted out a picture. It was an image from Kentucky, as they say this morning, and it had a picture. Uh, somebody had spray painted on a blank billboard or some blank billboard just out in the middle of whatever in Kentucky, and somebody spray painted on there, kill the NRA. So what did the NRA do? They sent that picture out to fire up their faithful, to remind them it's a war with the note, here's an image from Kentucky this morning. To all American gun owners, this is a wake-up call. They're coming after us. Like and share to spread the word. They're coming after us. They've got guns. They hate you. They want to get you, so you better have bigger guns. And that is where it is right now. And that is where they are. But they are a minority. <laughs> and those folks, I'm sorry, uh, the, the peacemakers will win. Those who do walk the path of light will win. And the folks who are determined to have a war, well, they'll have their war. They'll probably perish by their sword. They'll find their way. Uh, but the rest of us are going to move on. And that is where the country is going, moving on. <laughs> and it's moving on fast. So on that wake-up call, uh, when we come back, I want to talk to you about what a Republican from the Romney campaign is saying about what the Republicans are doing on guns. Uh, we're going to talk about mental illness, pure evil, and what that means, and what the kids are doing, and why this is different than Sandy Hook when we return to Possibility Politics. Thank you so much for listening to Possibility Politics. This is the place where we look at this great experiment called America and hopefully leave it better than we found it. I'm trying to leave it better than I found it because uh, this is how it changed. The, re- the way change, we have to be the leaders we're seeking, right? We have to choose love over fear. It's up to us. And it means, and it's not just like going, identifying the haters and saying, yeah, if we just get rid of those haters, we'll be good to go. No, nope. <laughs> you got to stop being the hater. Uh, you got to forgive. And including, that's one of the reasons why I went through this point of saying those who see this as a war, that MS-13's got an assault rifle, so I need an assault rifle. The only thing we do is forgive and accept. 
it's up to us. I know he's like, not our problem. We need to stick at them to stop being angry gun nuts. No, nope. Uh, you got to tend to your own house and say, okay, I get it. You're scared. You know what? Uh, as it turns out, you're, the guns are out there. And that, by the way, this is the latest argument by the NRA-funded politicians out there is that, you know, there's just too many guns out there. There's no point in even trying to ban them because now they'll just, you know, there's just too many out there. <laughs> That's like that's weird. That's like saying, you know, there's just too many, too much syphilis and herpes out there. We're just not going to wear condoms. There's just no point. You're going to get it. So why bother to try, <laughs> right? Oh, why bother to try? You're going to get the disease. Just you're you're good to go, right? So a couple of thoughts right at the top because you know I like to parse through sort of what we're how we're digesting all this because we're doing pretty good actually. Even though this is awful and it's ugly and it's so painful to watch some of this coverage. Um, you know, it's like there was this moment when there was even a, a, a FBI agent, uh, anal- you know, Philip Mudd, the FBI, FBI agent who you often see on CNN, which, by the way, just had a poll showed that more Americans trust CNN than Donald Trump. <laughs> that says that there you go. It doesn't really matter because if you trust Donald Trump, you don't trust CNN. So it's a completely reflexive statement. Right. But anyway, uh, here's an example of some of the sentiment out there. You're hearing these uh, these accounts. What's going through your mind as someone who used to work at the FBI? You think it's antiseptic. It's not. I talked to a terrorist who almost died because he wanted to blow up a weapon, a car bomb. And he was sent to blow up that car bomb by ISIS and Al-Qaeda. And they didn't tell him he was going to blow up the car bomb. When he detonated, the car caught fire. It didn't blow up. And I talked to him after he lost a lot of his skins, his hands, his feet. I have 10 nieces and nephews. We're talking about bump stocks. We're talking about legislation. A child of God is dead. Cannot we acknowledge in this country that we can't, we cannot accept this. I can't do it, Wolf. I'm sorry. We can't do it. Yeah. Oops. All right. Uh, uh, we're going to get back to you, but you're, 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 you're obviously, this is so emotional. Yeah, and I can hear my uh, right-wing friends saying, snowflake, he can't handle it. But you know what? Um... When you see kids die, uh, <laughs> if it doesn't strike at your humanity, I'm not really sure you have some. Um, <laughs> maybe that's a little harsh. Maybe that's judgy on my part. Uh, but there's something to be said about that. Um, <laughs> anyway, again, some of the things that, that, that came down, and, and first of all, you mentioned bump stocks, which, by the way, remember after Vegas, uh, there was discussion of getting rid of Bump stocks, simple, right? Everybody agreed. You shouldn't be able to convert a, a regular weapon into an automatic weapon and uh, fires. Nope. Couldn't get that through Congress. It stalled and died. And the word from the White House right now is that um, they're going to spend the next two weeks on a listening tour and talking to governors and uh, legislators and seeing what they can do about it. <laughs> it's like that is the ultimate distraction. That is the here we promise to look into it and we're just not going to look into it. And But the rest of the country, again, uh, has moved on. One of the things I noticed that was different about the dialogue this time, because, you know, this happens again, right? And everybody says the same old thing. No, it's not actually the same. It does it does tweak a little difference. There was a, a my, one of the articles, a great op-ed I saw that was written by a uh, someone who had lost a child in Sandy Hook. And they said, this is different. And they said, the reason this is different is because elementary school kids couldn't really speak up, but high school kids can. And even though it's been a lot of years since Columbine, uh, this has come around again, 
and the lesson got learned again. Sadly, unfortunately for those, that does, I don't mean that to be unsympathetic to those who had lost loved ones in that circumstance. That is horrible. And you're much more than a lesson. You're a tragedy that you're going to have to live with forever. But uh, for the rest of us, uh, the lesson is there again. But the difference is, is that high school students are rising up. And you've probably heard there's a lot being uh, done to move that forward. And I'm going to get to that a little bit here in the show. But voting, the one thing I noticed different about the dialogue is that obviously I explained to you the, the Fox News side, which is ramping up the victimhood that this is a war and they have guns too. And this just you just have to arm up. And that's going to be that dialogue over there. And that's what they're satisfied with. And that's what they feel the world is is a war. And okay. You know, it's interesting. A total side note. As we've walked through our consciousness as a society, we used to have wars more often, you know, Mm -hmm. Vietnam. And then before that was World War II or Korea or what have you. And where you would send people over and there would be actual wars. And the funny thing about consciousness and the absence of having wars where you can like World War II, where we lost 400,000 American men, uh, the war comes home. Uh, Folks still believe the folks that still believe that there's a war and there's a war to be had will find your war. Uh, I will be done. You're looking for a war. You'll find one. If you're looking for enemies. You'll find them. And so now they're domestic. We've moved our wars into our own domestic area. But the thing is, is it's isolated and it's more ideological. Yes, it's a terrible thing that happened in this, in, in this school, but we're not sending 400,000 men to die. Uh, we're just losing 30,000 people a year to gun violence, uh, which is a terrible way to equate it as being better. But a, a strange thing is that the way to learn the lesson is to bring it home. Uh, you know, if there's a distant enemy over there in Europe and fighting Hitler's, you know, uh, oppression, it, it's it's clear, it's black and white, it's it's easy to get your mind around, and it doesn't teach you the lesson of war. But when war comes home, and some of your neighbors are deliberately and determined to make it an arms race of assault weapons and gun caches. And by the way, these statistics, something like, what was the number? I have to look back up. 75% of guns are owned by 3% of the citizenry. I mean, there's a lot of, there's just a handful of people that are really arming up. And the rest of us have a gun or two or three or four. You know, a hunting rifle, a pistol for protection, if you think. And I get that. You know, if you want a pistol in your house because there's some, you know, whack job coming to your house, I get that. You need an assault rifle and a collection of assault rifles. Because you think that if somebody, because you think MS-13 is going to knock on your door out in Wichita or something? Come on. Come on. That's not how it goes. And that's, that's your fear. You have to figure it out. Maybe you'll never look at it. And that's, that's your decision. But let's hear about the reaction. First of all, the big reaction difference was this. The dialogue snapped that fast. And it was that fast into the gun issue with uh, high school students and the grieving and the one thing about gun story is, oh, we, let's just sit down and like, we don't want to talk about this. We have to, you know, we, have to, we don't make a knee-jerk reaction, right? That's what uh, Paul Ryan said. Speaker Paul Ryan again said, we don't want a knee-jerk reaction. <laughs> uh, again, it's been what's this? It, it's been uh, four months, sixteen days since Las Vegas. One year, eight months, and six days since Orlando. And five years, two months, and four days since Sandy Hook. I don't think any of these reactions are knee-jerk at this point, uh, right? And then so in addition to that one, the, the other side went right to it and said, voting is the only way out. I'm glad that the punditry on the TV, you know, cable argument channels have recognized that we're to the point where voting them is the only way out. And I know that's not satisfying. You've got to wait till November, basically. But it's going to be a hell of a reckoning in November. And uh, so much so that um, one of the uh, pundits out there, uh, I should say not pundits, but um, uh, writers, Max Boot, if you know who he is, Max Boot is a Republican strategist who worked on Mitt Romney's 2012 campaign and probably going to work on his Utah Senate run. 
he had a wrote an op-ed called The Second Amendment is Being Turned into a Suicide Pact. And he spoke to his Republican friends who were still very diehard about their guns and tried to say this is not the days of flintlocks anymore. Instead of instituting such common-sense safeguards, Congress is moving in the opposite direction. Early in 2017, Congress passed and Trump signed a bill that revoked an Obama-era regulation that would have made it harder for mentally ill people to buy guns. They got rid of that. Let more mentally ill people, Ill people buy guns. And then toward the end of the year, the House passed legislation that would force every state to honor concealed carry permits, meaning that a resident of Oklahoma could pack heat in the District of Columbia or New York City, even though it's banned there. And politicians, primarily not, but not exclusively Republicans, says Max Boot, are turning their idolatrous worship of the Second Amendment into a suicide pact. If the United States had been under assault from Muslim terrorists, they would have acted long ago. But apparently, homegrown mass murderers are of scant concern, even though they kill far more people than terrorists do. That's Republican Max Boot speaking truth. I think it's truth, and I think it's part of the new reality. Right to have it, says the the foster dad. He's got to have it. Doesn't feel differently. No responsibility. To him, it's a war. And for the rest of us, It's time for peace. And when we come back, how that's moving forward, because it is going so fast now. That's what we do here on Possibility Politics. Thanks again for always listening to Possibility Politics. Always. I've totally assumed that you're always listening. So I'm going to believe that. And then it shall be so. This is the place (laughs) where we try to provide a more satisfying perspective on life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I'm Jeff Stein. Thanks, Juan Velasquez, for um, producing this thing up. And Premier Networks, he just made a great point during the break about how, you know, you fill out this form to get a gun, to get an AR-15. And especially places, it's different in each state. Uh, but especially, I mean, there's some federal uh, guidelines and such, but in, in Florida, you know, they basically just ask you, hey, are you good? Are you not crazy? You planning to shoot anybody? No? Okay, good. Here's your gun. I mean, there's just no way to, it's, there's no evaluation. There's no real test. There's no real, because that's the point, though. They believe if you if you halt the access of powerful firepower to a, to a law-abiding citizen, then the criminal will outgun you. That's, again, that's the fear. If you know that going into a conversation with somebody, you might decide to engage them and say, really, you think MSN-13 is going to come get you? Do you think someone with assault rifles coming after you? Really? When? And, are you gonna, and if that's the case, if you really think that you're under some sort of siege from somebody else with an assault rifle, then you have to carry your assault rifle around all day. You have to carry around your gun all day. And I know some people do carry it. I know I have friends who carry sidearms and they'll tell me, they'll you know pick me up and say, hey, just remind you, I got my sidearm on. It's okay, cool, help yourself. <laughs> you know, and even that, I, we've gone so far, most even liberals are like, you know what, if you have to have your sidearm, you have to have your gun, fine. I just We just want to get rid of the killing machines that roll out so many bullets so fast and so accessible and so easy. So a um, <clears throat> couple things more. First, when they said pure evil, boy, that got me. When Rick Scott, governor of Florida, says this is pure evil, he's 19 years old. For those of you who have kids... A 19-year-old, if you get pure evil that fast, first of all, what is pure evil, right? But that's a, that's a with all due respect to my uh, religious friends, I know that's a catchphrase because the, when you say somebody is pure evil, then it means they're driven by the devil, and if they're driven by the devil, there was no way to stop him. That's, it's an excuse. It's, it says they're pure evil, so there's nothing you could do about it. It's, it's an end term, and that is not true. Pure love overcomes pure evil. 
And so when you just go, oh, you know, Satan's involved and Satan does his thing, then nothing can stop Satan except God. And if God doesn't want to, then it doesn't happen. That That's so victim-y. I'm sorry. If you don't think God's more powerful than Satan, if you don't think love is more powerful than fear, I, I don't know which which scriptures or which you know religions you're, you're reading because I don't know where that is. And then the mentally ill one. Now, first of all, everybody gets that this is, it's so funny because they came with a new poll. And even the new poll with the questions skewed still showed that when it comes to gun control, we're for it. When it, the majority is for it, the majority is for background checks, the majority is for doing some sort of change. But they asked this obnoxious question. They said, which is more reflective of gun violence? If you saw this poll, you're like, oh my God, the poll says that people think mental illness is a bigger deal than or more, more smart than gun control. You're not reading the question. Important thing about polling is what the question asks. Here's the question. Which is more reflective of the gun violence problem, mental illness or gun control? First of all, they said, or... What do you mean, or? And of course, people chose mental illness over gun control because, duh, think about that. <laughs> if you've got gun control or mental illness, which is more reflective? Well, the mental illness, because you got to have the crazy person first, and then his access to weapons is the second problem. But that's like saying they're exclusive to each other. That would be like asking, which is more important in a marriage, to like your spouse or have a good sex life? Why can't you have both? And first of all, if you like your spouse, you probably have a good sex life. Do you have a good sex life? I'm surprised you don't like your spouse. <laughs> but it's a stupid idea that, of course, mental illness is more important than gun control. But it doesn't mean that gun control or some sort of gun safety, not even control. I know you guys hate that word on the far right or the gun folks. Gun safety legislation. There are so many technologies that allow you to make sure only the owner of a gun fires it, let alone Reagan and the Republicans for up until the last fifth until Obama. Up until Obama, Reagan's and Republic, Reagan Republicans absolutely believed in assault weapon bans because they didn't think people should have military grade weapons that can do mass killing. But that all went away when, you know, the wrong people started to take control, I guess. I don't know. So what is happening? The enough movement, the enough already, the never again movement, all these different hashtags born from kids, from 18-year-old and 17-year-old kids. There's a national walkout day, Wednesday, March 14th. That is at a high, it's a Wednesday again, at high, it's high school everywhere. They're encouraging students. And you know what? A lot of schools are endorsing it and a lot of parents are endorsing it to walk out at 10 a.m. for 17 minutes, one minute for each victim and wear orange. You're going to see something on that day. Also, a March for Our Lives, Sunday, March 24th, and another March for Sensible Gun Safety Regulation on April 20th, which is the anniversary of Columbine. If you didn't know, it also happens to be, I think, Hitler's birthday. Nice, right? Uh, I think that was part of the reason why they did it at Columbine, if you remember back in the day. So here's some of the reactions, because people are not mincing bones. And let's talk about what's productive and what's not. Um one from Twitter here. My son, first of all, you've seen this picture everywhere of the of the assault rifle marked GOP as for Republicans. And the magazine, which has like one of those 40, 60 bullet magazines, says thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers, thoughts and prayers. So we're just going to fire off thoughts and prayers, which reminds me of that hilarious line that I keep seeing on Twitter, which is when if, if you gun folks are upset that your guns, your assault rifles are being taken away, tell you what, we'll send you thoughts and prayers. Instead, of, that's what you're sending to folks who got their children killed. Thoughts and prayers. Another one says, they effing locked up Tide Pods. Remember the Tide Pods? 
the little things that EP kids were eating because it says they locking they locked up the pods, the Tide pods, because 730 people, 34 people tried to eat them. In like four days, they locked it up. You can't tell me there's nothing that can't be done, says a tweeter. Another tweeter, Bob Cunningham. Who cares if Kim Jong-un gets a nuke? Nukes don't kill people. People kill people. And he says, see how effing stupid that sounds when you say guns don't kill people, people kill people? Zach Hunt. If children are slaughtered in their school and your reaction is, don't dare think about taking my guns, rather than, how do we stop this from ever happening again, then we don't have a difference in political opinion. We have a difference in morality. Think about that. If your first reaction is, don't take my guns, then you're more scared of your not having firepower against a perceived enemy than you are scared that someone that you love will be shot by a crazy person who's able to get a military assault rifle without, with not even a, you know, with a, with totally legally and totally easily. And for those who are blaming the FBI, like Donald Trump is, saying, hey, they should have caught this guy. Everybody knew he was bad. Well, guess what? They get literally, like in this one office in that area, they got a thousand uh, different warnings and complaints every day. They're able to get to about a hundred if they're lucky. And even if they are lucky to get to it, kid like Nicholas Cruz, this kid who did the shooting, they couldn't even stop him. He had not committed a crime. Even as his own foster parents, he was just depressed, which by the way, depressed is enough. There's a, a, a guy that was just saw on CNN who was telling his story about when in the 90s, he almost became a school shooter himself. He had talked about, he went through all the psychology and all the psychological um, uh, therapy to fix the fact, the fact that he had this hardcore anger inside of him and he wanted to kill people but the difference was, he said, he would have done it if he could have gotten a hold of assault rifle. And he knows that. He said, I would have been able to done it. But I, I thought it through, and I thought getting a rifle, getting a pistol, I'd shoot a couple people, and then they'd just take me out. But if I could have gotten an assault rifle, I'd have done it because I could have killed a lot of people. And at the time, I thought that's what I wanted to do. He was honest about this. He admitted this. And the point is, is people are being more, and that's why I say we're moving this dialogue along. We're talking about the mental illness. We're talking about assault rifles. We're talking about these things. And it will happen, but they will have to be voted out. Geraldine says, it says, here's a quote. If we ban guns, they will just find another way. Fine. Then let them find another way. Let them try to kill dozens in a matter of minutes with a butter knife. Let's force mass murderers to get creative because I'm tired of it being easy for them. Another tweet. Isn't it strange how mental illness hardly massacres anyone in Canada, Australia, and the United Kingdom, but here? Here's one from Representative Joe Kennedy III, who did the response rebuttal speech to the State of the Union, you may have seen it recently. On May 4th, 2017, Republicans and Trump gleefully celebrated passing a bill that would have taken mental health care from millions of Americans. Today, these same men blamed mental illness for gun violence. Here's kind of a harsh one uh, that I'm not sure is helpful. Uh, it's a flow chart I've been seeing going around on Facebook that says, what should we do? And then there's an arrow pointing down. Was the murderer Muslim? Yes. Do a travel ban. No. Was the murderer Hispanic? Yes. Build a wall. No. Was the murderer black? Yes. Build more prisons and get more cops. No. Was the murderer white? Yes. Then thoughts and prayers will do the trick. And I know that's not helpful because that turned into a racial lens. But folks are saying that because that's what it feels like. It feels like if it's an other, you know, it's another other line that I would say, hey, if you want to get rid of, make guns uh, illegal, if you want to make assault rifles legal, illegal, then black folks go out and buy an assault rifle, everybody that you can tomorrow, and it'll suddenly be illegal by Tuesday. That's commentary I'm seeing on t Twitter all the time, too. 
But think about it. And that's why they're freaking out. They, I shouldn't say they as if it's white and black, but if you're afraid of MS-13, no matter what your race is, uh, you perceive that as being an issue. Again, racial, not helpful, but it's a sign of where folks are, just the same as the sign of folks saying, you're not going to take my guns, even the foster parents. Nope. I would not deprive this young man who murdered 17 kids and wounded several others of his assault rifle because my right to my firepower against a perceived enemy is is a, is more comforting to me. And it's the only thing I can find relief in compared to letting children die. So here's another one. Ken Tremendous says, let's start referring to NRA purchased politicians as pro-slaughter that is, in essence, their official position, right? Marco Rubio, he's pro-slaughter. Speaker Ryan is pro-slaughter guy. Senator Joni Ernst is a pro-slaughter. So is John Cornyn, famously pro-slaughter. That's a little harsh. But if you're not interested in doing anything, if you're refusing to do anything, then are you not pro-slaughter? <laughs> you're pro-gun. Oh, pro-escalation then. Pro-sword, perish by sword. Another one. Uh, this one was now, Sarah says... I saw this picture of Donald Trump uh, giving a thumbs up as he's standing with the uh, victims and police of uh, the shooting. Why the hell are you? What are that? Why the hell are you doing a thumbs up? Children were slaughtered in a gun massacre. It's a tragedy, and you're grinning like a Cheshire cat. Cat, what the f is wrong with you? Where's your dignity and respect for lives lost? Again, though, I'm not going to get into Donald Trump because he doesn't have any understanding of this. He was born and raised in a money bubble. He has no concept of what it's like. Um, here's another one that came out there. There's been this effort by folks, uh, kind of sarcastically to send, when they send a, a, send a donation to their favorite congressperson who's been heavily funded by the NRA and send the donation with just thoughts and prayers, no dollar amount. We're just sending a check with thoughts and prayers. See if you can get reelected with thoughts and prayers instead of money. And there's another one. Nicole says the same people that said 13 and 14 year olds were perfectly mature enough to date Roy Moore are now saying 17 and 18 year olds are too immature to have opinions on gun control. It's on. It's moving. It's going <laughs> to. This is a foregone conclusion. You've seen it probably already. If you're following the news, you've seen all the kids from the high school who were stepping up. And they've gone to Tallahassee. They've gone buses and they took that eight-hour ride to Tallahassee, the capital of Florida, obviously, and to protest and to say it. And to their attorney general, who happens to be Biondi, who was take, took a whole lot of money from, from Donald Trump to make his investigations of his properties go away. And uh, she would have been indicted for it. But then Donald Trump took over the federal government and, and ended the U.S. Uh, attorney prosecutions of her. Uh, but anyway, they're going to her to make sure she will do something about this. And uh, it will be done. All right. Meantime, a couple last things, lightning rounds that are good. Uh, also, some if you're if you're hoping for change, uh, there was another flip flip of another seat since Trump has been elected. This makes 36 seats that were won by Trump. This one in uh, Florida, where Trump won by eight. She the, 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 the Democrat won by eight points in a district that went for Trump by about five points. The 36th seat that has flipped since Trump became ele- was elected, only four seats have flipped for Republicans, and that happened in the first few weeks, uh, first months after D- Donald Trump was elected. And that also in, in Pennsylvania, you probably heard this, they fixed the gerrymandered map. And you should look at it. Look online. It's amazing. It just looks like a map. 
instead of this twisted turned thing that took 18 congressional districts in Pennsylvania and made sure that 13 of them were won by Republicans, even though Republicans are not in the majority in Pennsylvania. The Democratic Party has a majority uh, amongst the electorate in Pennsylvania. And that is getting huger because if you want to protect and survive with the Republican Party, and again, I come from a family of Eisenhower Republicans, and I would, we need two parties that make sense, um, you're not looking good because the Democratic Party is swelling. The numbers among independents, about half of independents, are completely and totally disgusted by Trump and the Republicans. And the other 25%, another 25% are, are toxically offended by them. And the Republican Party is split in two. 2018 is going to be a reckoning of reckonings. It's going to be huge, huge, and it's not going to be good for the folks who want war. It's going to be good for the folks who want peace. And it just happens to be Democrats. And next cycle, it'll be Republicans. Whatever. Thank you for listening. This has been such a pleasure in Possibility Politics. This has been Possibility Politics with Jeff Stein. The social, political, pop cultural discussion show that looks at life through the rose colored eyes of the almost criminally optimistic Jeff Stein. 